Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives, and follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net, or become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Detectives.net. Well, this actually is the first episode that will be played as part of our pre-recorded leave series. And I'll talk to you about that a little bit more after the program. But now it is time for today's episode of Casey Crime Photographer. The original air date, October the 20th, 1949, and the title is The Coffin. Good evening. This is Ken Roberts inviting you to listen to another adventure of Casey, crime photographer. Ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Our adventure for tonight, The Coffin. Early afternoon quiet, restful reception room of uh, a casket company. The street door opens and two hard-eyed men enter. From the glass-enclosed inner office, another man emerges. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi. You the boss here? Well, uh, I'm the uh, sales manager. Uh, Cook is my name. Cook. That's a hot place for a corporate salesman. Ain't it, Cook? <laughs> yes, so I'm often told. You want to see some samples of your uh, product? Want to buy a car? You are um, a mortician, of course. A what? Uh, you need undertaking. No cookie. I'm no undertaker. Oh, well, I'm sorry, but we sell only to the trade. You mean a guy's got to be an undertaker in order to buy one of your plush line boxes? That's our rules. Rules are made to be busted, mister. I want a cough, and I've got the dough to pay for it. Show me one of your fanciest models. You want the guy I'm buying it for to have the best. Uh, after he said. Uh, when a guy gets off, was the law He said it. Uh, you, uh, you want to cast it for somebody who, uh, who uh, isn't yet dead. He isn't even sick yet. I, uh, I don't understand. You don't have to. Just show us your boss. Uh, yes, but... Uh, First, wait, I'll wait, give I, you the name and address of the guy you descended to. He's Nick Maddox. Yeah, oh. Nick Maddock. And he lives in the Manor Hall apartment. Nick Maddock is is the notorious gang leader. Of course. It's just police when he reads the newspaper. Yeah, it seems like a night. Look, don't fall for that cheap publicity stuff, Cookie. Yeah, he has no professional standards. He's like the boss of the police. Our boss is the real boss. He's there to swallow. You're Andrew Grallo? Uh-huh. Guess you didn't recognize me for my pictures in the papers. Now, well, I... Uh, now, Cookie, uh, let's see your coffin playing kind of a hurry. To see this punk Nick Maddox just might be a morgue case. A knife. 
Coffin salesman Cook knew Andy Grello's reputation, so he took little Andy and his hood back into the display room and let him pick out a silver-plated slumber box, which Andy paid for cash on the line. And as soon as the mobsters were gone, Cook phoned the nearest precinct station and was sent here to headquarters, where I heard his story in person. And it's a front-page story, Captain Logan. Yeah, which this luck is probably given to all the papers, in. I haven't given it to any paper, Casey, including yours. Including ours? What I've just told you two is off the record for the time being. Oh, I... Captain. Oh, now look here, Off the record, I said. I'm not going to have any press break on this until I'm sure what it's all about. Well, it's easy enough to figure what it's all about. There's been a long-standing feud between Andy Grollo and Nick Maddock, and now it's come to a head, and Grollo's planning to remove Maddock. Oh, it isn't that easy to figure, Miss Williams. No, I'll say it isn't. Little Andy is one of the smartest cooks I know of. He pulled such a grandstand play as the one at that coffin shop and planning anything but the obvious. Well, Logan, what did you do when you heard the story? Huh? I had to do the obvious in my own projection. You ordered your cops to make a roundup of Andy and his mob. Sure. And so far, we've pulled in every known member of the gang except Andy and the gorilla who went with him to that casket salesman. You got Maddox protected, of course. As much as I can protect this site. I've got cops spotted around his apartment house. He won't let him inside the apartment itself. He knows about Andy Grollo ordering his coffin. Yeah, I told him myself. I had to, again, for my own protection. And did Nick Maddock do a burn-up? Which gave me another worry. He's undoubtedly sent guys out to gun for Andy, and if we don't find that little rat first... Yeah, a war is now definitely on between the Maddock gang and the Grollo gang. Which means you won't be able to keep this coffin story off the record that long, Captain Martin. I think you're right, Miss Williams. Not until shooting actually starts, I'm not going to further Andy Grollo's plans, whatever they are, by allowing publicity for a yard he must have wanted to hit the papers. Is uh, Nick Maddox staying inside his apartment? Yes, yeah, he's too yellow to want to leave it while Andy's still in the loose. He's safely locked in with half a dozen of his muscle men and that gal for the day's time is telling. Well, she'll be his best defensive. That I know is really tough. Mm-hmm. But effective, though, Andy. A poker tuneless bundle of feminine charms. Oh. Well, if you ask me. Excuse me. How does that go, Captain Logan? Yes, ma'am. No, we haven't found Jarlow yet. Now we picked up everybody but him and put Larkin. That's right, Larkin was with him at that casket. But don't worry, we'll get him soon. Yeah, I can tell you're not worried. I'll sit tight. Goodbye. Maddox worried, huh? I do. And he's glad to have our cops around him. When his heart's in danger, he sends his... Come in. Uh, we've got Andy Grollo and the last of his gorillas, Captain. You have? Yeah. Just walked into the front desk here, sir. Said they heard they were wanted. So they just walked in. Bring him here to me. Yes, sir. That's that, Logan. Mm, worries are over for a while. I'm not so sure of that. I don't like any part of this business. Well, at least Maddox won't become a morgue case tonight as Grollo hinted to that coffin salesman. Grollo and his hoods are going to be guests here for some time. Inside, you fellows. Uh, thank you, Captain. Good evening, Captain. Hello, Grollo. Well, well, well. Miss Williams, my old pal, Casey. My brother, yeah. Uh, you folks know Foots Larkin? He's a business associate. Not the comedy, Grollo. How was the big idea of that coffin gag you pulled this afternoon? What? 
You heard about that little joke of mine, Captain? It was a joke, huh? Well, what else did you think it was? No idea that news got around so fast that you put. Uh, uh, no. Oh, yeah. Gee, I, I hope our pal Miss Maddox ain't heard about it. What a joke if we won't defeat Your act isn't funny and I'm not laughing. Sergeant will take these jokers into the boiler room where they can do their stuff under spotlight. Maybe they can improve their brand of humor. All right, come on. Now, look here, Captain. You can't. Get going. I'll see you later, Miss Williams. Yeah. Annie, let's be on our way. Mm-hmm. May as well go back to the office. Uh-uh. We're calling on Nick Maddox. Maddox? Yes, right now. I have a hunch. A little handy joke. Too well planned. Miss. Well, what's the point of the joke? Come on. At Nick Maddox's apartment, we may find the point. Rallo said that coffin thing was just a guess. That case, no, that's a story, Mister. Very funny. Answers a big laugh, don't it, Ina? Been busting my sides ever since I heard about it, honey. No laughs on Andy Grollo right now, Mister Maddox. He and his men are having a session with the cops for the last all night at least. He was smart for giving himself up to the cops, Miss Williams. If I or my guys had come across him, it'd have been just too bad. That means little Andy would have got his teeth knocked out. Nothing more. Sure, sure. We know that law-abiding guys like Nick don't go into extreme forms of violence. Miss Williams, how about you in case you happen to drink it too on us? Then bodyguards Nick haven't drunk it all up. Mm, no thanks, Miss Callie, but I'd like to stick around here for a while and ask you and Mr. Maddox some questions. Questions? Oh, nothing too personal, just something I can use if the paper runs a story about this thing. Why should it run any story? Rollo's coffin gag is wiped up before it got going. Out of the newspaper racket, we try to prepare for possible emergencies, Nick. Same as you do when you're the business. Now, how about letting me see some pictures of you while Miss Williams asks a question? I don't want any publicity. A guy in your spot gets it whether he wants it or not, honey. It'd be nice if you spoke to maybe that'd be nice to you. Sure, we'd like to hear the kind of things that we get. Yeah. Okay. I'll take some decent pictures of me, Casey. The ones I see in the papers always make me look like a big fat mug. I'll try to show you who you really are. You're being the genuine you. What do you mean by that? He'll snap you at your best, Nick, if you'll help him. You're a long way from your best with that crummy necktie on. Crummy necktie? This ribbon cost me 40 bucks. It ain't the coming to you, honey. Oh, necktie is, uh, well... It ain't either, what do you think, Miss Williams? Them big yellow flowers are loud, ain't they? Well, they are a little noisy. They're no class. Go back to your bedroom, Nick, and change to the one with the hand-painted bluebirds on it. That's your time. Come on, like... I'll go with you and see if you do it right. Oh. Uh... No, in case you come along, Miss Williams, you can ask some of them questions while Nick is changed. All right. This is all jerky. Put down another time. The one with the bluebirds, honey, and sit to the front of the mirror, not just by the center seat. I'm standing right here at the floor to watch the two of the rest. Ah, you say, give me a face. Yeah. Yeah, one more, another one. All right, you are. Don't get a gal idea, then. That's the same idea. You've been brought up the way I was. How's, oh, where were you brought up, Miss Kelly? That's one of the questions I wanted to ask. Dirty, lousy, milk, Tom. Huh? Old man was a no-worker, we did. So poor, I think. It's just the work of things. Our fingers were big enough to fuck at a loom. You see, I'm not one of those gals that has to keep the Final. Oh, ah! Oh, he's got shot! He's got Nick. He's fallen. He was shot in my window. Keep away from that window, Inez. Whoever shot Nick may drill you. Inez! 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 Inez!
Well, now, don't you go to that window, Kate. Let me go. No. Look, he's got the paint. He's getting the way over the roof. Get out of the way. Let me look. You must turn out to be. The guy that shot Nick is on the roof. Get up there, all of you, and head him off. All right, come on, you guys. Let us go. Keith. Is Nick dead? I'm afraid I'm ready to end this She couldn't be a suspect. Uh, I'm afraid she might get a crazy notion to go after the killer on her own. Oh, I'll keep her under wraps and I in case. Oh. Casey, I want you to show me exactly where you, Rhinas, and Miss Williams stood when that shot was fired. Well, we were just outside this bedroom door, Logan. Anne was here. I was back. It was about And Rhinas was directly in the doorway, leaning against that side of it. But you couldn't see the window where the shot was fired. No, I can't. Oh, no. Stepped on something. Thumbtack. I'm going to dig it out of my shoe. Oh, yeah, one of those things is on the floor. It's always pointed. That's right. Well, chances are I couldn't see anything worthwhile if that window had been in your line of vision. It's covered with those drapes and the killer shot through the drapes. Yeah. You know, not many guys that have the guts or the ability to shag themselves up and down that flimsy rope ladder eight stories above the street. No. Our killer was a crack shot, too, Logan. Hanging onto that ladder, he planted a single shot in Maddox's back at just the right spot. Uh, Captain Logan. Yes, Sergeant. Bernstein here just found a gun on the ground below that window. Let's see it, Bernstein. We are, Captain. Miller adjusted it for fingerprints right away, but they weren't. That's always nice. He gets a forty-five, Logan. There's one exploded shell in the cylinder. Murder done, all right. The killer must have dropped it accidentally, Captain. Fell in a straight line from that window and landed in soft dirt. Oh, uh, I found something else. What? This length of fishing line. Fishing line? Yes, it was snagged on a bush not far from the gun. There may be no connection, but I think there is. Go on. Now, this line's in two pieces, joined together in a sheet bend knot. Uh, what kind of knot? A sheet bend, sir. I was in the Navy, you know that kind of stuff. Also, it occurs to me this killer's been a sailor, too. On account of how he could use a rope ladder so good. And the sheet bend is a sailor's knot. There is a connection. Logan... The killer may have used this fishing line to hang the gun from around his neck while he used both hands to come down the ladder. That way, he wouldn't have to dig into a pocket for it. Yeah. Going up the ladder in a big hurry, he could have snagged the line and torn it loose. 
Take it to the lab, Bernstein, and tell the props to get busy on it. Yes, sir. Yes. Neither line nor gun can be traced. We've still got a small lead, Casey. Maddox's killer must have been a sailor. Whatever he's been, he's only a hired hand tonight. The guy who hired him is little Andy Grollo. Sure. And what a sweet alibi he and all his mob have got. When Nick Maddox got the works, every one of them was being held at headquarters. Captain Logan still ain't got nowheres on Nick Maddox's murder, huh, Casey? Nope, nowhere at all, Ethelbert. Gee, and it happened almost two weeks ago. I thought with all the swell clues the cops had, it'd be solved in a couple of days. What swell clues did the cops have? Well, to begin with, they knew Andy Grollo must have planned it and hired the actual killer. You've got to do more than know a thing when you charge a man with murder, Ethelbert. The law demands proof. That's why his attorneys were able to spring him out of jail only a few days after Maddox's funeral. Hmm. How about that fish line, the gun, and the rope ladder? Oh, they haven't been traced to the person who used them. Maybe they never will be. And millions of men have been sailors. And finding the sailor who used that rope ladder and who tied the knot in that fishing line. Well, looking for a needle in that old haystack is easy by comparison. I never thought too much of that sailor idea, Miss Williams. You know, when I tie a couple of pieces of string together, I loop what you call a sheet bend as a matter of habit. But you? Mm-hmm. You've never been a sailor, Ethelbert. Me a sailor? <laughs> oh, goodness, no. Well, then... But my old lady used to do fancy work on a loom when I was a kid. She taught me how to weave, too. And what sailors call a sheet bend is exactly the same as a weaver's knot. Wait a minute, a weaver's knot? Uh-huh. Well, why didn't you tell me that before? Did you ask me? I... Annie, come on. Let's get over to the office. Huh? I want a good look at the pictures I took in Maddox's bedroom right after he was shot. Annie, look. Look here. In this picture, I pulled the drapes back from that casement in order to show the dangling rope ladder outside. Oh, yeah, I remember. Well, only one side of the casement was open. You see the angle of the opening? Angle? No, no. Now, look. A gun clamped to the open side of that window would point directly at anyone standing in front of the mirror, as Maddox stood when he was shot. And a strong cord could have been looped around the trigger, then passed around the butt of the gun, and then further passed along the wall of the room behind the bed, and fastened to a thumbtack in the wall near where Inez stood. You think Inez? Inez was taught to tie a weaver's knot when she was a kid, don't forget being part of a job to tie them. Whatever or not she instinctively uses. And if you remember, Annie, I stepped on a thumbtack just inside that doorway. But she she couldn't have set off a gun tap while we stood within a few feet of her. Why not? All she had to do was pull on a fishing line that we didn't even know existed. And the purpose of the whole setup was that somebody should be with her to alibi her. She did persuade Maddox to go into the bedroom and to fix his tie before that move. Yeah, and after the shooting, she made a beeline for that window. Before I got there, she had time to loosen the spring clamp and stuff it inside her dress. Well, naturally, the gun fell, carrying the fish line with it. And the line, only looped around the trigger, naturally, would fall free of it. Well, but Casey, that uh, rope line... It was never used. It was hung from the roof simply as a red herring. Hmm? You see, there had to be believable evidence that Maddock was shot from outside. Well, I don't believe that Inez Pally has the brains to plan such a setup. Oh, you underestimate that, Carol. But I think the plan was mostly Andy Grollo's. <laughs> 
Rollo? Uh, a coffin gag, Annie. It wasn't pure coincidence that he got himself and his entire mob a perfect alibi on the night Maddock was killed. Oh, no. Never kidded ourselves about that. But instead of hiring a killer, as we thought, someone who wasn't a regular member of his gang, he had an inside track on Maddox's girlfriend. And she double-crossed Maddox because Rollo has more money, more brains, and better looks. Or maybe simply because she didn't like Nick's taste in neckties. I, I, I don't know. Female motives are anybody's guess. Huh. Well, how are you going to prove your pretty theory? Annie, Inez may have something in her apartment. It'll tie her up with Andy Grollo. And, of course, you prefer to search your apartment without police assistance. Well, remember, Annie, exclusives earn bonuses for poor newspaper stiffs like us, and Christmas isn't too far away. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been in Inez's apartment, and the locks on her door should be easy for an accomplished housebreaker like yourself. Mm-hmm. Shall we, Miss Williams? Tonight, Mr. Casey. <laughs> Was a cinch, Annie. No trouble at all. Close the door quick and relock it. All set. Okay. Now, where would we begin? In her bedroom. Look for a clamp. Might have held that gun. Or anything that may connect Inez with Andy Grollo. Okay, her bedroom's in here. All right, we'll work it over together. Remember where the light switch is? I think so. Uh, yeah, I got it. Good evening, uh, Miss Williams. Andy Grollo. My old pal, Casey. Well, the surprise is on me as well as you. Oh, well, that's nice to know. When I left myself in the front door right after Ina's left. You see, I'd been casing her movements from the hall instead of down on the street due to, uh... Well, I wanted to search her place, too. Mm. So you'd made a start before we interrupted. Find what you were looking for, Andy? No, I didn't have time. Now, you two can help me. We're always willing to help a man who has a gun pointed at us. Oh, yes. I thought you'd be. What's here that you want, Andy? Same thing you wanted. Special kind of clamp. You know, this Ines Talley's a smart girl. Of course, she'd do a certain little favor for me. She made me write a letter I wouldn't like the cops to see. I figured her as that kind of a businesswoman. Yeah, but brainy girls are dangerous, like snoopy newspaper people. A guy like me's better off without them. So after you two help me find the things I want for my news, the three of us will stick around until she comes home. I'll get rid of her at the same time I lose you for keeps. Right here in her apartment. You'll be blamed for killing her, she for killing you. Stop that, Rod. Highness. lousy double cross. No, no, don't shoot. Smart. A fat thinker. Try to think your way out of this, you poor fat. I saw you watching my apartments across the hall. You wouldn't have found what you wanted. I got them things put away in a safer place than this world. I've caught you, these newspapers, just robbing my apartment. I've got a right to shoot all of you, and that's just what I'm going to do. No, don't reach don't, for that gun! Uh, Casey! We shot each other, Casey. Shot each other! Good. Oh. These double crossing playmates both need coffins now. <laughs> Say, Miss Williams, mm-hmm. did the cops find what Andy Grollo was looking for in Ina's apartment? Mm-hmm. 
In a safety uh, deposit vault, she had a letter he'd written that would have incriminated him plenty in the Maddox murder. Why did a smart guy like him let her have so much on him? Well, he thought he was smarter than he was, apparently, Edelman. And he met her very stiff terms because he was sure he could double-cross her, you see, and get everything back. Well, what was her big motive in playing along with Andy Grollo? Love? Money? Revenge? Or just... No, we'll never know, really. And female motives are anybody's guess. <clears throat> see, Miss Williams, you called me a skinker the other day. What's a skinker? Yeah, Annie. You know, I looked it up, and the only definition I could find was a kind of lizard. I'm no lizard. Well, you didn't look far enough. In the big dictionary, you'll find it also means one who pours drink. Oh, so I am a skinker. <laughs> but that sounds like... Tonight's adventure was written by Alonzo Dean Cole. Scott Cotsworth played the part of Casey, Jan Minor was Anne, and John Gibson was Ethelbert. Next week, another adventure of Casey, crime photographer. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Welcome back. Well, a really good hook for this episode. Now, I will say that if you are in a situation with a reporter, you do not want to tell them information and then tell it tell them that it's off the record. That's generally not a good way to do things because you want to have their assurances, the information that you are telling them, is going to be off the record. Because if you tell them the information first without that qualification, they can honor your request or not. Well, since it was Anne and Casey and they have a good working relationship, Logan got away with it. All he did was kind of disappoint them. I 
did have a little bit of a sense of who the murderer might be. Though I kind of like Captain Logan, of all people, talk me out of it with his thought that he was concerned that she might go after the killer on her own. I found it really suspicious that she was essentially positioning him where he was killed. Now, I do have some concerns with the, the not so much with Ethelbert providing the key clue, because that happens a lot. But I think it's one thing when Ethelbert provides the key clue based on his knowledge of the city and having unique uh, relationships with people around town. It's another thing when a case has gone unsolved for two weeks and nobody has thought to do some research on what types of knots there are. And also, I'm betting that there were probably more than Ethelbert who noticed that uh, the police were, for some reason, just describing this as a sailor's knot and looking for a sailor. Now, I don't agree with Casey that the motives women have are somehow unfathomable. I think the typical motives in this case would be something like power, money, or love, you know, which are all very basic motives. I would kind of lean towards love or passion just by, because of the way she came back and was so angry. I think she would have handled it differently if uh, she was approaching it as kind of a business situation. Though then again, some people really do get worked up about business stuff too, so it's just that she died before she could say what her specific motive was. I should also say that the word that Anne called Ethelbert had a relatively innocent meaning in 1949, but as Dr. Joe Webb uh, said over at Blue Note Bulletin, uh, .blogspot.com, that in recent years there is a vastly different and more obscene definition. So... I, I don't worry about having it in the podcast. It, it's kind of obscure. I'd never heard it in any context. But, yeah, just don't go around town calling people that. So, And we'll be good. All right. Well, now I do want to go ahead and address what's going on with the podcast. I probably discussed this on the last uh, program, but we are uh, taking a break from recording the podcast live to focus on family with my wife's uh, pregnancy. And so I pre-recorded ahead eight weeks worth of programs. I did not actually set out to pre-record that many, but I started uh, my recordings about one week later than I intended. So in order to get the full time frame, I had to take an extra week. So I've recorded, this is the first one you're hearing, but I've recorded the vast majority of them already, going back to September 2021. Now, the big difference is we're not going to have any listener comments and feedback, which will definitely be missed on the podcast. But we'll continue to thank Patreon supporters of the day, although due to the nature of the, uh, recording the episodes, it's technically possible we might thank someone who has ceased being a Patreon supporter. If you have technical issues with the podcast, please email andrew at greatdetectives.net. Uh, that's Andrew Ryan's email address for like the next eight weeks because I tend to be mostly otherwise occupied. Well, now let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Will, 
Patreon supporter since February 2019, currently supporting the show at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for the support, Will. We'll be back next week with another episode of Casey Crime Photographer, but join us back here tomorrow for Mr. Chameleon, where... So you see, Mrs. Andre, it seems very, very strange to me that your mother-in-law should have died here completely alone. Strange? Oh, it was horrible. Simply horrible, Mr. Chameleon. I'll never forgive myself for going out last night. But I was positive that Joseph and Alfred were with her. Uh, those are her sons, I take it, the famous Audrey twins. Yes, that's right. If famous is the word for their cafe society antics. Oh, I know, but Mr. Chameleon, in all fairness to them, their mother treated them like children. Uh, what happens now? Do they inherit the Audrey fortune? Why do you ask me that? Because I want to know everything. Everything that you know. It all goes to me and Bobby. My mother-in-law gave all her love to my husband, Mr. Chameleon, and then to my boy, her grandson. Mrs. Audrey, could it be that your mother-in-law took this overdose of heart medicine purposely and dropped the curtain on her own life? Oh, no. No, it, it must have been an accident. And she couldn't have been murdered. Who was murdered? Sure, and what's going on here, Miss Teller? Oh, Nanny. And who might this be? And why is he bothering you? Uh, Nanny, this is Mr. Chameleon, the famous detective from Central Headquarters. And this is Nora Lowry, who's been with Mrs. Audrey for many, many years. Except the one time she needed me, God rest her poor soul. Uh, how do you do, sir? How do you do? And I'm sorry I spoke so sharp. But how could she be murdered when no one was here? And she couldn't have taken an overdose of that medicine on purpose. You think not, Miss Lara? Oh, no. But, poor soul, there was an odd thing about her, sir. She was scared to death of dying alone like she did. Isn't that so, Miss Stella? Why, yes, that's true, Mr. Chameleon. Mrs. Audrey used to talk about it. It was a phobia, as if she had a premonition. Just like the stupid phobia I have about being cut with a knife. Cut with a knife? Childish, isn't it? I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives, and follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.